Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. I'm your host for this week. It's me, Farmers Guardian news editor, Olivia Midgley. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Subscribe through all your favourite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast to ensure you stay up to date. Well, on the show this week, we're talking housing. The pandemic has brought a lot of changes in our lives, both good and bad. One is this huge spike in people seeking to swap fast-paced city life for the rural idyll. But with housing stock in the countryside already falling well short, there's a danger those working in the countryside may be priced out of the market. And what does all this mean for young people wanting to carve out their careers in agriculture? Well, to discuss these challenges and talk about the key drivers we need to see a thriving rural housing market for everybody, Jess Fredenberg has been speaking to Hermione Warmington at the CLA. Later, to find out the challenges facing those young people in rural areas, she speaks to Ivan Annabel of Rose Generation, who's just been commissioned by the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs to find out what needs to change. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk. One thing COVID has taught us, particularly those of us that live in cities, is that we like green space. Another is that many of us can actually work from anywhere with an internet connection. A third is that house prices and rents are often cheaper in the countryside. The result? A huge flight from cities to rural areas, an explosion of short-term lets and second homes, and a dwindling number of affordable places to live in the countryside. For young people in rural areas, the challenges are mounting. This generation um, are facing the worst series of challenges in the context of young people living in the countryside since the Second World War. And I don't say that in an ill-advised way. I'm absolutely sure from the responses to this survey that this is the case. And we'll hear more on that later. But first, let's find out more about why young people in cities want to move to the countryside and why this could actually be a huge opportunity to revive rural economies. I've been speaking to Hermione Warmington, Property and Business Policy Advisor at the CLA. You're still ploughing on and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com forward slash subscriptions today. Hermione, the pandemic seems to be changing the way you know young people in particular feel about the countryside and you know in terms of whether it's somewhere that they want to live or not what has the the CLA survey found out about that? 
Yeah, so the CLA survey brought back some really interesting results, actually. Overall, the survey showed that 44% of people were more likely to consider moving to the countryside. But in that 18 to 34-year-old bracket, we saw that increase. So that's 55% of young people would be looking would be more likely to look to move to the countryside as a result of the pandemic. Uh, am I right in thinking that that's actually is quite a big shift in terms of the age category of people that actually want to move to the countryside? It's a really big shift. For, for many, many years, we've seen rural areas ageing and they um, are predicted to age at a much faster rate than urban areas. So this shift of young people wanting to move back to the countryside is is quite exciting. It could present really good opportunities for rural areas um, because we do have this ageing demographic and with the ageing demographic we've seen things like closures of pubs, closures of schools, closures of services so what we sort of have called the cycle of decline in these rural areas. So if young people want to move back, can move back, have the services and amenities to pull them back, then it could sort of reverse the ageing population that we're seeing all over the UK in, in rural areas. Let's dig into that a little bit more in a second, but I just want to find out a little bit more about what is actually the reason behind uh, young people saying that they want to move to the countryside after the pandemic because it is obviously all kind of pandemic related isn't it yeah absolutely I think you know home for the f- maybe not the first time but has been really central in people's lives during lockdown and in urban areas there is just less space statistically houses are smaller people don't have the access to open space or air quality that they do in rural areas so you know for those listening that do live in rural areas it's probably not a surprise that younger people or more people want to move here when they're spending so much time in their homes so um, the survey showed that the main pull for people to move to rural areas was house prices Um, but other important factors were things like air quality access to outdoor space connectivity ability to work from home so um, it's really interesting seeing the emphasis switch um, to this remote working and actually see the increase in the survey of the people that want to and are looking to continue to work from home in the future I think one of the most interesting things for me was that the the reason cited least for younger people moving to the countryside was the ability to commute. So whereas that has always been an important factor and arguably one of the reasons people have lived in cities and towns for the commuting, we no longer see as a pool. And I think the key underpinning all of this is digital connectivity. If somewhere has a good internet connection, you can pretty much do anything, a lot of jobs with a good internet connection. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> we say that I'm recording this from uh, Lisbon and you're recording <laughs> it from uh, southwest England. So, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> it's fine. We have a slight delay, but we're, we're all good. So it's amazing what you can do with a good, good internet connection for sure. Let's look at house prices, though, and, and rents, because I, I know obviously that has been quite a big issue in the news recently the the flight of people from urban areas to rural areas um, and the impact that that is having on you know pushing house prices and rents up so I guess um, is this something that you've 
heard much from CLA members about. I know that um, a lot of our members actually froze their rent increases during the pandemic because they have long-term tenants. They, it wasn't the right time to put up rents. So a lot of our members have frozen rents, but they've also given rent concessions, rent holidays. They've worked really closely with their existing tenants. So paired with that, um, we've got our members working with tenants. But like you said, we also have an increase in demand for rural properties. And in rural areas, we already have less rented sector accommodation. So demand, any increase in demand and no increased supply will push up rents. Um, So at the moment, I think we've seen our members work closely and work really well with their existing tenants. But also in the future, the market will always respond. And so whether we will see an increase of rental prices in rural areas sort of across the board, that might be the case. Um, I don't know if that will happen at the moment simply because of the time we're in um, and sort of getting rid of tenants, increasing rents is probably not the best thing to do, especially for our members who work so closely with their community and a lot of the people they house, they might employ or they will work in the local economy and and local area. And I'm I'm guessing it's a bit of, um, on the one hand, uh, rising rents and house prices might benefit some people who are, you know, property owners. But on the other hand, there are going to be particularly young people who already live in rural areas um, who can't then afford that. But you, you've also alluded to um, the opportunity that this movement to the countryside brings. I'm just sort of wondering if you can talk more about about what you see that opportunity to be and, you know, what needs to happen to make full use of that. This opportunity of young people or people moving back to rural rural areas could be really instrumental to level up the rural and urban economy. But the planning system needs to allow for growth. It needs to allow for small incremental organic growth, and that's both for building houses and for economic development because otherwise what we see is the same supply which is very little but a really but an increase in demand so what that will is like you've said it will push up rent prices it will push up house prices rural areas already have an affordability crisis eight percent of rural homes are affordable rented but 19 percent of urban homes are affordable rented um so We're starting from a place where local people already find it difficult to find houses to afford houses. There's actually some interesting research by CPRE, which says that nine out of 10 rural areas are unaffordable to key workers. And that's because more than 35% of their post-tax income would be spent on the private rented sector. So our starting point in rural areas is that it's unaffordable. So if we then think about all of these people coming in from cities and towns um, increasing that demand, we see that that actually, with these increasing rents and house prices, might then make it even harder for the local people that are living and working there to afford to remain to live and work there. So it's so important at this point, it's so important for the planning system to simplify, for local authorities to be better supported and funded and for development to be encouraged in these rural areas so that we can capitalise on this opportunity. 
And I mean, I think if anyone owns rural businesses, it's, you know, affordable rented accommodation and affordable houses to purchase are so important to support people that live and work in the economy. You know, if you're running a rural business and you can't employ and you can't find anyone to employ for your business, then that business isn't going to be able to grow. I just wondered, Hermione, I know you yourself, you're, uh, you're a farmer's daughter from, is it Somerset, did you say? Yeah, from Somerset. And you moved to London for work and you're now, because of, you know, the ability to work from home, you're now back in the countryside, um, but meant to be going back to London. You know, how are you, how are you feeling about it all? I really enjoyed London when I first got there and then, you know, for reasons beyond my control, have been in Somerset for, for eight months. I've really enjoyed being here and quite a few of my friends as well have come back and have spent time here and having sort of other young people around has has made it amazing. And I think, you know, if, if rural areas have the opportunity to take advantage of these young people wanting to live here, it could, you know, that means... I mean, three of the pubs around me have closed as a result of COVID, um, which is such a shame. And actually, I would say a pub is a pretty fundamental thing to have in a village if you want young people to live there. I mean, not just young people, everybody enjoys a pub. So it's things like that that, you know, would make me want to stay in Somerset a lot more if, if sort of we had those um, facilities and services around. So that was Hermione Warmington at the CLA talking about how the pandemic is causing young people in cities to want to move to the countryside. But what about the young people already living in the countryside? How has the pandemic affected them? Well, I'm joined by Ivan Annabel, Managing Director of Rose Regeneration, who has just done some research for the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs precisely about this. Ivan, who did you speak to for this research and what were the main findings? We contacted um, 528 uh, different young people living across rural England and Wales, mainly connected with farming. We also then undertook a series of 40 more detailed telephone interviews to build on that initial cohort of uh, research. And and the main finding is that that it's very difficult indeed for uh, young people to get a start on the housing ladder that live in rural areas. Okay, And how has the the pandemic itself affected that then? Is that something you looked at? The the pandemic has led to a greater sense of financial reservation amongst organisations that would normally advance uh, mortgages to uh, young people. It's proved more difficult for them to get together the scale of deposit that lenders now want. And it's also had an impact on the stability of their employment, which has meant that in a number of cases, people who have either been furloughed or have found themselves in um, more vulnerable employer environments uh, have really struggled to be able to justify to building societies and banks that they've got the... um, the long-term financial stability to, to justify being able to, to, to get a mortgage. And then in the private rented sector, we've discovered that landlords are quite reluctant to taking on new tenants in the current climate. OK. And I mean, it's a significant number of young people feeling this way, isn't it? I've got some figures here from the research and it says 97% of those uh, interviewed who live 
in rural areas want to live in rural areas over the next five years, but 65% feel there is not enough housing for young people. It's, it's quite, they're quite big numbers, aren't they? Well, they're huge numbers. And I mean, this cohort of people are really bought into the rural milieu that they're currently in. That probably explains why these people really want to uh, live as well as work um, in a rural setting. And for a lot of them, the, the alternative to being able to get their own place, either as a tenant or as a, somebody with a mortgage, is to be with mum and dad. And, and we all know, you know, if we think back to our own backgrounds, you know, that, that, that once you've got past your teens, that's not a comfortable place to be because it just impugns your independence. And, and a very significant proportion of people really also that responded to that survey, and it's no reflection on their parents, wanted to move out of the family home. Yeah, I mean, I, I know from my own experience that's been that's been a problem and from lots of friends as well. It's a real issue for our whole generation, I think. I've also got some more figures here from your research. It says 85% of those young people interviewed said that they thought COVID would impact their future. In what way did they think it would impact their future? Really, it's, it's going to make it more difficult for them, uh, in many cases, to get a start on the farming ladder. We talk about the, the housing ladder, but the prospects for the slightly older ones with more resource of becoming either a, a tenant of some land or the impossible dream of scraping together enough money to buy some land to make a start has been worsened by COVID because most of the financial instruments that have been put together are about keeping people in jobs. They're not about, you know, um, supporting the long-term future of farmers as, as new entrants into the industry. So that's a big issue that, that people face. And people also just feel in terms of businesses and work associated with farming, even if you're not directly raising livestock or growing crops, that there has been a bit of a stasis introduced into roles around things like agronomy um, and farm estate management and some of the associated activities around things like equine. So there are a whole range of issues that have been closed down as opportunities by the pandemic because of the financial challenges that we currently find ourselves in. Mm, and so a lot of a lot of big big things to be dealing with for you know for young people isn't it? I think this generation um, are facing the worst series of challenges in the context of young people living in the countryside since the second world war and I don't say that in an ill-advised way. I'm absolutely sure from the responses to this survey that this is the case because Brexit is going to significantly change the way farming operates. That will have a big knock-on effect to the financial stability of some of these um, communities and, and the transitional process to move from the current series of European structural payments and support to the new arrangements are going to cause disruption. But then if that wasn't bad enough on top of that to be confronted almost completely unexpectedly by this global pandemic and the impacts that's had has meant that this is the toughest time to be a young person associated with farming growing up in England probably for the last 70 years. I mean, that's a, that's a big statement, isn't it? That is, that is a lot to be dealing with when you're, when you're young and you're looking at your future and what options you have um, to sort of build your life. I mean, what did anything come from the research in terms of, you know, what needs to happen now? One of the great things is that young people are quite fearless. Um, and, and so uh, the real feel you get is that whilst people have a sense of pessimism um, 
in terms of what's currently happening to them, they, they also have this long view based on the fact they are quite young about what their futures might be. And it, it's clear from some of the discussions that, that we had with them that there are some structural things that can be done. So new measures could be put in place to uh, make more affordable housing available in rural communities, to make it easier for people um, to uh, get mortgages, particularly focusing on the strong argument that people who've lived all their life and work in a rural setting should be supported to be able to stay there. Um, and, and there are examples of activities around things like community-led housing approaches um, and, and even sweat equity that, that, that's been built previously into bringing forward housing um, that would be applicable to this group. And, and, and the group as well, really interestingly, have got some views about how new entrants could be supported by changes to legislation and changes to finance. So there are opportunities, I think, you know, if you take a medium-term view, to, to really use this as an opportunity to build back better, to say, look, it's brought to a fore some of these really seminal challenges that young people living in rural England face, but it's also the spur then to people listening in a structured way um, to, 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 to building a longer-term future around really maintaining that umbilical link which is crucial to all of this about people being able to work and live in the same place. How hopeful are you that the ears of government are going to be listening to this in amongst obviously there's a lot of noise <laughs> right now isn't there to get through there's the pandemic obviously there's Brexit there's future trade deals there's a lot going on. Well, this is why the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs is very important, because it's a network. Networks are potent. If you've just got your own voice and you're arguing individually for some of these things, you don't have the same heft. And, and what we see with the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs and their agri-committee, which is drawn from across the whole of England and Wales and, and meets monthly now, and that's been more intensively meeting since the pandemic kicked in, um, is that they are able to raise the voice of young people. So I'm not foolishly optimistic, but, but I'm cautiously positive that, that actually the energy and resilience these young people have got and the network they've got makes a big difference. And it's quite interesting because they've got some really quite powerful civic ambassadors. So last night I had the opportunity to participate in a debate about the survey results with them with Nigel Owens, the world-famous rugby referee, who is one of the presidents of the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs. And I think the infrastructure that, that they've got around uh, the National Federation, and its links then with other farming lobbies like the NFU and other organisations, does give them a chance, based on their energy and enthusiasm, to get their argument across. That was Ivan Annabel, MD of Rose Regeneration, talking about his latest YFC research. And if you tune in next week, I'll be delving deeper into this topic and asking how can we make the countryside a place young people want to and can live longer term? I'll be joined by two guests who have been working on this very question with young people from all over the world. So see you next week. Thanks to Jez and Hermione and Ivan. You can catch part two of our special focus on young people in the countryside next week. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to keep notified of new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. 
Until next week, from us at FG and the CLA, thank you again for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.